0: Welcome back to Murder in the Black. It is your host, Steph. I'm excited to share a couple of updates with you guys before we get into our crime case for the day. I was able to put us on some new platforms, which I shared with you guys last week. We are now on iHeart, Amazon Music, and also on Google Cast, which I added recently. Google Cast is the new one that I added. Not only that you guys, I'm able to just to like utilize my time a lot better here on Murder in the Black. I've been trying to find a uh, a rhythm, right, to be able to pre-record content so that I don't feel anxious about recording the week of, okay? Come on. Come on, balance. I'm I'm coming through. And also uh just research new cases, pre-record. I also found a hosting website where I'm able to put us on YouTube effortlessly. Okay. And it also like provides tools where I can go live with you guys, give y'all a link where we can go live and do um you guys can ask me questions and we can talk together. So I finally feel good about that and settled. Okay. So I am not a type A personality. But I love and thrive on routine. So if if ever I'm able to get a routine going for myself, we in there, okay? Praise God for that, okay? So I just wanted to share that with you guys that we are finally hit our rhythm. Y'all can depend on me that on every Thursday, okay? I wish I had some wood to knock on, child, because it's you know, Satan, he gonna try to, he try, he gonna try to give me. But every Thursday, you can guarantee that we gonna have a new episode. So let's get into our crime case for the day. Today's case is about Omar Murray. I've entitled this case, A Second Chance. Omar was born and raised in Jamaica. He moved to New York for better opportunities. Family describe him as fun-loving, deeply religious, a hard worker, and dependable. He was the eldest of his siblings. His younger brother was interviewed and said that he viewed Omar as a father figure. Their father was not involved in their upbringing and Omar was able to fill in those shoes and do it to the best of his abilities. He was really an overall mentor to his family and his siblings and was very responsible. In 2010, Omar is recently divorced and he moves back in with his mother and other siblings to regroup before he goes back into the world on his own. While he's there, he meets a young woman named Alicia. Alicia is his next door neighbor. Alicia was also Caribbean, so they had that in common. Her mother was from Gwena, and her father was from Grenada. Unlike Omar, she was a native of New York. So her, their environments in which they were brought up in was just completely different. She was a home health aide. And she knew the ropes of New York. So she was able to show Omar something new. They hit it off immediately. Love at first sight. This was them he was Omar was completely caught up with her and Omar gives me the impression that he loves hard even if it's brand new he gonna fall in love he gonna commit to it he gonna stand by it and that's how Alicia and Omar were when they first met. Alicia and Omar do not court each other for a long time because that same year of 2010 they decided to get married. Understandably, Omar's family felt like they were rushing and just going extremely too fast, and they cautioned Omar to kind of slow down, maybe him and Alicia should spend more time dating, especially because Omar had just been divorced. So they felt like maybe y'all should just get a, you know, a couple of more years under your belt before you take that big step. But Omar and Alicia decided they wanted to get married anyway. And overall, the family just felt like, well, we want the best for both of you. We want both of you to be happy. And they gave their full support towards Omar and Alicia's wedding. I think it's important to note that Omar really wanted to give this marriage his best effort because he took a lot of blame um in his first marriage ending felt like it was his fault felt like a failure so this marriage he wanted it to be different and he wanted to give his full effort towards making his relationship with Alicia work it was noted in my research that Omar really desired to please Alicia and i think any good man wants to do that he wants to make his wife, his partner, happy. And Omar did just that. She had very expensive taste. She liked the, you know the finer things in life. She wanted the Louis Vuitton bag. She wanted the Gucci bag. Um, she liked foreign cars and expensive jewelry. And the good thing about that is that he also enjoyed those things, too. So it wasn't much of a stretch for him to provide those things for Alicia because he liked it as well. And he was also an iron worker. I had to go look up what that was. And it's basically just a specialty trade. They specialize in manufacturing iron, dealing with iron, producing iron. So. That was something new that I learned. So if you didn't know what an armworker is, now you know. And he was able to afford that lifestyle. Shortly after they got married, they decided to move to Brownsville, New York. And Brownsville is known for its violence but they were able to purchase a nice home. It was a four bedroom, three bath house, and they were able to afford the down payment and they moved into the neighborhood. But as I said, the neighborhood was ridden with crime. And so they knew that if they moved in, they would have to invest in home security. Everything was going well for Omar and Alicia, but on February 24, 2013, Alicia calls a 911 dispatcher at 1 p.m. She tells them that she hears an intruder in her home and she's upstairs in the room with her child and she doesn't know where the intruder is inside of the house. Here's what we know about the timeline. Omar goes to the store and gets back at 1256. At 12.58, Omar is arguing with a man on the front porch. He loses his footing and is then shot three times in the chest. Alicia says that he fumbled back inside of the house, fell to the ground, and yelled for his mother. So she also tells the dispatcher that there's an active shooter on the scene. I wanted to share with you guys that... Because there is an active shooter on the scene, that delays the 911 dispatcher from calling the paramedics to the scene. And I bet you're wondering why, because I wondered the same thing. The reason why is police want to make sure that they secure the scene and that there is no more immediate danger to anyone who arrives on the scene. So they want to protect the paramedics to allow them to do their job once they get there and don't have to worry about being shot. So because of that 911 doesn't immediately dispatch EMT and so there's a delay in getting Omar treatment to his gunshot wounds. It's also mentioned that Alicia does not go back downstairs and check on her husband who has been shot, even though she has some medical training. Upon further review, they find out that it wasn't a robbery after all, but they don't have any idea who would want to kill Omar. He didn't have any known enemies. So what they hope for is that they'll get a breakthrough on this case through using Omar and Alicia's home security footage that they have at their entry points. When they go back and try to retrieve that footage, they find out that all of the cameras were turned off. However, they have a good lead because there is some surveillance footage from a neighbor that they can get and kind of see who was coming in and out of the home that day. They find out that there was a black truck that was seen arriving to the home after Omar goes to the store. This black truck is seen with a man getting out, going into their home, and then leaving and shortly returning to commit the murder. They find out that this man is 25 year old Kurt Porteous. He's arrested and they find out who the getaway driver is, which is Damon Damian Lavelle. And there was another person involved named Dion Jack. They arrest these guys and they can't connect them to the crime because none of these guys are speaking and they did not believe that they knew alicia or omar so there's just a lot of things going on and they are trying to connect the dots but they can't the police then figure out that they need to dig deeper into alicia and omar's relationship What they find out is that Alicia and Omar were having significant financial problems. Alicia was missing car payments. Their house was in foreclosure. Alicia had stolen $100,000 from her mother and it was just a lot going on financially with them. And y'all, I was like, first of all, you going to steal from your mama, but you steal one hundred thousand dollars and you're still in ruin financially, baby. What type of problems is going on? Okay, I just don't understand. That's that's a lot, cause I'm, I I you know I already feel like it's a lot to steal from your mama, but then you stealing that large amount and you can't pay your bills still. What? Child, make it make sense. They also found out that. Alicia had three policies, insurance policies, life, life insurance policies, I'm sorry, on Omar. And they all totaled to be a million dollars. They felt like that was such a large amount for an armed worker. They felt like that's just too much. Like, you know, that's an excessive amount of policies and a large amount to have. They found out that Alicia was not wasting any time trying to get her, her hands on that money, okay? Just two days after Omar was murdered, she called the insurance company to get her hands on that million dollars. And the insurance company told her, there's just too much unknown about this case and we can't give you any money. So what did Alicia do? She found another way to get some money. Omar had an account in Jamaica and so she went over there and because she was his wife she was able to withdraw all of the money from that account. She only gave his family a small amount and she took the rest. March 2013 they are planning Omar's funeral. Alicia does not help at all. The family tries to include her on the planning of the funeral because after all, she is his wife and she just doesn't want any parts. They try to include her on getting the headstone. She doesn't respond back to them. And it just seems like she's just disinterested in the entire funeral planning for her own husband. It was noted that she sat on the front row of the funeral and didn't shed not one tear looked bored, acted like she didn't want to be there. And understandably, the family had enough. So when they got to the gravesite, Omar's mother specifically confronts her and she accuses her of killing Omar because she wanted his money and she was greedy. When Alicia was confronted with accusations from Omar's family that she was connected to the murder, that she had something to do with Omar's murder, she denied it. She told them that she would never kill her husband. The police are still conducting their investigation and although they find found out that there was some financial issues and that the whole insurance policy looked very sketch they had to get more evidence they suspected alicia of having something to do with this murder but they had nothing that tied her to the assailants who carried out the murder so the police pull her phone records and they notice one number that keeps appearing in the call logs that number belong to Damien Lavelle and if that sounds familiar to you it absolutely should because Damien Lavelle was one of the suspects arrested in connection with Omar's murder. Damien worked at a drugstore called Rite Aid. He and Alicia started a relationship that is where they met and their relationship by no means was a secret. A lot of people knew that she was having an affair with him and it wasn't just Damien, it was other men as well. The thing about Alicia that just utterly shocks me is that she would take Damien and these other men back to the home that she shared with Omar and have sex with them. And I know what you're thinking, where was Omar? Well, Omar was upstairs taking care of their child. As much as I wanna believe that Omar didn't know what she was doing, I believe that he knew what she was doing. I believe that he really wanted to make their relationship work. He really wanted his marriage to last, that he was willing to put up with the unthinkable. I mean, I just cannot imagine. Alicia didn't apologize for it. It was She was unapologetically cheating on her husband And she did not care. One person in the interviews that I watch associated this behavior with psychopathic traits. They said that Alicia was a psychopath. I believe that they were right. Because one of the traits of a psychopath is they lack regard of feelings and emotion. That is Alicia. Omar's family said that she acted very cavalier at the funeral, was not interested, didn't cry. Now, here she is again having an affair on her husband, and she doesn't apologize for it. She's not sad. She's not angry. She, she's doing what she wants to do without any feeling or emotion that you would usually attach to circumstances like that. She doesn't have them. So the police are finding out all of this information and they're kind of tucking it away, still building their case. But what they do is they go and they get, they run a ballistics test on the gun and they find out that this gun actually was registered to Omar. Omar was not carrying this gun on the day of the murder. So They're like, this is, this is not adding up. They go back to that surveillance footage which positively identified Kurt and who was the shooter and they see Kurt walk into Alicia's home they conclude that at this time Kurt was able to get the gun Omar's gun and carry out the murder so they were able to make that connection and they then had enough evidence against all of the assailants who were arrested. Now let's go back and talk about who these people were because before I get into the charges, we have to know who was arrested. Kurt Porteous was arrested because he was the shooter. Damien Lavelle was arrested because he was an accomplice and they believe he set up the murder because he went on to hire Kurt and also Dion Jack who was the driver. They charged Damien and Kurt with first-degree murder. They were held without no bond. They charged, um, I'm sorry, they charged Dion Jack with hindering prosecution, and they did allow him a bond, which was about $5,000. The police didn't have enough evidence to charge Alicia with murder the same time they charge the assailants with murder. So a year passes. The police have not given up on this case. They're still trying to gather information. But Alicia is living her best life. She's seen by Omar's family, partying, living the living her best life. And on September 14th, 18 months after Omar's death, she marries a man named Jose, a brute. The police later find out that she took out several life insurance policies on Jose. In spring of 2016, Damien's trial was getting closer and he decided to plea out. He said that he would tell the police everything that he knew about Omar's murder. He admitted that him and Alicia plotted to kill Omar. And he felt like she threw him under the bus after the murder was executed. He said that she shared with him that she had debt problems and the only way to get rid of her debt was to kill Omar. The police were surprised by this. He admitted to them that this was not the first attempt to kill Omar. In 2012, Alicia actually poisoned Omar. So according to Alicia or according to Damien, what the story she told Damien, okay. Police didn't have enough evidence to charge Alicia with the murder of Omar. So they opted to just build their case in order to effectively prosecute her. A year passes and Alicia has moved on with her life completely. She's seen partying around New York with friends and family of Omar and she seems to be living her best life. September 14th, just 18 months after the death of Omar, Alicia gets married to a man named Jose Abreu. She gets several life insurance policies on him as well. And one has to wonder was she planning the same fate for her new husband? In spring of 2016, Damien's trials inching closer. He decides to make a plea arrangement with the DA in exchange for telling. The full story about how Omar was murdered. The first thing he reveals to law enforcement is that, of course, he was having a long standing affair with Alicia. Both he and Alicia planned the death of Omar for up to months, even leading up to a year. But police kind of already knew that information. What they did not know was what he revealed next. He said this was not the first attempt on Omar's life. Back in October of 2012, he reveals that Alicia told him that he or her and Omar got into a very heated argument in which Omar confesses that he had an affair with a prostitute. She's very upset. And she says in her anger, she decides that she's going to take his life. So she places poison in his food, but nothing happened. Omar didn't die. He just became violently ill. Omar's younger brother revealed that he did not believe that Omar would ever cheat on Alicia and believes that Alicia made that up in an attempt to justify killing Omar. He also said that he nor any of his family knew about Omar's problematic relationship with Alicia. He said that he believed that his brother did not tell anyone because he was scared of the stigma of divorce, having another failed marriage. So he opted to put up with the foolishness of the relationship because he wanted his family together. He wanted to have a successful marriage. Upon hearing Damien's testimony, the police knew they had enough evidence to charge Alicia. And in June of 2016, they charged her with first-degree murder. You may be asking yourself, Steph, why was she charged with first-degree murder? I mean, she didn't pull the trigger. It is known that she did not pull the trigger, but first degree murder means malice aforethought. So that means she went into February 24th, fully knowing that she was going to kill her husband, that she was going to put everything in motion to kill her husband. So she was responsible. That's why they gave her that charge. She, of course, pled not guilty, but Damien and Kurt turned on her. They made a plea agreement with the DA and testified at her trial. Let's just talk about all of the evidence that the police were able to retrieve on Alicia. That pretty much made it impossible for her not to be convicted. They had the testimony of Kurt and Damien. They have the ballistics report that proved that the gun actually belonged to Omar. Then they had their surveillance put, footage that only affirmed that Kurt went in to retrieve the gun. They had motive. The couple was under tremendous financial stress. They could prove that she was eager to cash in the insurance policies. And they also could prove that she was having an affair with Damien one of the main assailants of the murder by showing her phone records the jury had to agree so in just three short hours they convicted alicia of first degree murder just one week after alicia's trial kirk went to trial he was also found guilty of first degree murder and picked up a charge for the illegal possession of a firearm. Both Alicia and Kurt were sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Damien was convicted of second degree murder. And he was sentenced to 15 years in prison. True to Alicia's nature, which she was a psychopath in my opinion she showed no remorse she was very cold and impassive and even after conviction she insists that she is not guilty Omar's family had a lot of residual pain obviously after the trial they felt like they opened their hearts to alicia and at one point had a really close bond with her And they just couldn't wrap their mind around the fact that someone that they allowed in would do something so heinous to a family member. Overall, the family decided that although this verdict would never bring Omar back, that it did bring them comfort knowing that the people who were responsible for his death would never see the light of day and they would have to spend the rest of the years behind prison We are going to discuss the takeaway of this case I try on Murder in the Black to present cases with little to no commentary. I always end up giving some commentary because I mean, child, it's how I tell my story. You know what I'm saying? It's unique to me, (laughs) but this case was so hard to do without little to no commentary. The reason why is because I was just so angry researching this case. This is a brand new case to me. And a lot of times on Murder in the Black, I'll present cases that I am very familiar with or at least somewhat familiar with. And this case is brand spanking new to me. So, as I was researching it, I had a lot of opinions, child. And then when I came back on to retell the story, I had a lot of opinions. I think this case is a classic example of men experiencing emotional abuse in relationships. I know that as a woman, I often talk about with family and friends, the emotional abuse that we endure as women. And in society, I think it's a lot easier for us to talk about that because people associate emotions, being emotional with being a woman. But the truth of the matter is is men have emotions too, whether they want to deal with them or not. And Alicia was abusing, Omar. I mean, she just downright was abusing this man in more ways than one. The fact that she was overly spending money, I mean astronomically spending money, because let's face it, if you stole a hundred thousand dollars from your mama and you weren't able to solve your financial issues, baby, you got issues. You know what I'm saying? They foreclosed on that property just three years after living in it. She was financially abusing him, emotionally abusing him by having open affairs inside of their home, which I'm hard pressed to believe Omar didn't know. I believe he knew. I just think that Omar had such a longing to want to make his relationship work because he already had the failure of one divorce. I believe he really loved Alicia as well. So it wasn't just, I don't want to get a divorce, the shame of a divorce. It was also, I don't want to be away from this person. I really love this person. I want to make it work with this person and have a family. Because at this point, they already had their child. So it was, you know, the burden of, I want my family to work for the benefit of my child as well. The fact that he did not share with his family or friends that Alicia or just their, all their problems that they were having, I believe that his brother was right. That Omar did not want to hear that he, you know, hear their opinion. Uh, The stigmatization of divorce. I believe all of that is true. But I also believe that talking to his family and friends is the reality, is reality like literally slapping him in the face, like having to face the truth. It would have been him having to face the truth that he needed desperately to get a divorce, to separate to end the relationship, that would have been the truth that smacked him in the face. Because when you don't talk to family and friends and get advice, especially in those situations, you don't, you're, you can just live in your head. You know what I mean? You can tell yourself anything. Self-deceiving is real, guys. Lying to yourself is a thing. And he wanted to stay in his own world, he did not want to face the truth that he absolutely needed to end that relationship with alicia and i can't say that alicia would not have tried to kill him if he divorced her she probably would have because she's a psychopath but at least he would have been able to leave you know or i don't know just At least he would have been able to leave. And I think you got to know when to leave. You have to learn. When to leave. The table. When love is no longer being served. All that was being served there was abuse. Of all kinds. I hate that for Omar. I hate it for Omar's family. I am sickened. Omar's daughter because her mother's greed abandoned her. It didn't just take her mother away. It took her dad away too. And I often think about the children who are left without the love of their parents because one was so greedy to murder the other and now the other has to spend a lifetime in prison leaving that child completely abandoned. That is my takeaway from this case. Learn to leave the table when love is no longer being served. I hate that for Omar. I don't even want to talk about evil that exists within Alicia I firmly believe that first of all that's you guys see that for what it is but I firmly believe that she went into that marriage thinking probably more or clearly she thought more about herself but I really think she entered in that marriage thinking she hit the jackpot financially with Omar, found out that she really didn't, Got wound up in all this debt, all of these problems, all of these issues. And she was like, I gotta kill him. I think she probably decided that in 2011. I do. I firmly believe she had decided that very early in their marriage. And everything went downhill from there and she was committed to the idea of killing him committed so that is our crime case for the day i hope you guys have enjoyed it and until next time friends this is murder in the black